I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. We're going to continue on right where we were, we stopped last week. And um, last week we, we just opened up and uh, just a, just basically a three-week series. It was called To Please God or To Please Him. And um, I get this and we'll read the first verse of 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter in just a moment. But we really address the fact that because of what Christ has done for us, for what God has given to us, and Jesus says you've come that you not only may have life, but you have it more abundantly. God wants us to have pleasure within our life through, through serving Him. And folks, every good, every perfect gift that we have comes from God. And I think most of us can recognize that, that, that God, God is the one who brings blessings in our life. And so from that standpoint, if God has been so very good to us, then should not we, in return, want to bring blessing and pleasure within his life? And we do that by the way we live. And last week, as we studied, that, that we know that the first thing God says that, that will bring pleasure to him is that we walk in sanctification. We walk in holiness. As a matter of fact, it says, this is the will of God for you. And what that means to live a, a clean and a pure Life and, and I think I know I had a lot of talk going on about that sermon this past week because he deals with the area of sexual purity because we live in a day and age and it's always been that way probably even to the day that that was written there's so much immorality that Satan has taken that which God has called good and he he has he has twisted that and 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 made it perverse in so much of the world's eyes and what God is calling us back to sexual purity. And, and we live in a world that's absolutely just, just pushing it down our throats. And, and to be honest with you, because we live within this world, because we, we all walk um, within this world, there are temptations on every one of us. And, and some of us have fallen, some of us have slipped. But what we have to do is get ourselves back up. And we have to, we have to recommit ourselves to Christ. And I challenge you in that way. If it means turning off the TVs, getting rid of the TVs, the things that you read, the things that you listen to, there may be some friends that you just can't hang out with anymore because if, if they are so bound up with this, then, folks, we need to remove ourselves from that so that we can, we can walk in holiness, that we can be a difference. And that's what sanctification means is that we might be set aside for the glory of God, that he can use us as clean vessels. And boy, that was challenging. Today we're going to walk in, we're going to look at another thing that, that um, the Apostle Paul writes to the Church of Thessalonica. And, um, and it's, it's talking about that we need to walk in brotherly love. We're going to get again to some very basic, basic stuff. And, you know, if, 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 if the Word of God hurts somebody's um, feelings, and hey, don't throw the apple, at, don't throw the tomato at me, okay? We're just going to be reading the Word of God today. But I thank God for his conviction. I thank God for the straightforwardness. And even as, as I, was, I was sitting and I was praying over this this morning, I, I said, God, thank you for your word. Thank you that, 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 that you shoot straight because you want to change my life. And that I know that when we study the word of God, it, it has the power to change lives. And that's what I pray today, that it will change lives even today. So if you would stand with me as we, re, as we, we look at, and in honor of reading God's word, I'm going to... I'm going to read to you 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, verse 1, and then I'm going to move on down to the, the second portion of this. But in, in 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter, I mean, in the fourth chapter, verse 1, 
Paul writes these words. He says, Furthermore, the end did we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that you have received of us how you ought to walk, and to please God, so that you would abound more and more. And so Paul said, that's what I'm challenging you to do, that, that you know, you should already know how you ought to walk and, and to please God. And he says, you need to do it even more and more. Last week we studied we need to walk in holiness. Let's look what he says today as we look down in, in verse 9. He says, but as touching brotherly love, you need not that I ride into you, for you yourselves have taught of God to love one another. I think it's very interesting, just as a point of information, then when he, when he says, of, um, first of all, brotherly love, that's a whole different word than when he says that you ought to love one another. Brotherly love is that phileo love, that, that kinship love, that we, we, we love each other because of our friendships, because of our relationships. It's a very powerful love spoken of throughout Scripture. But um, we, can only, we, we, we can only do brotherly love best is when, we, when we understand the love that God gives us. And he says, which is that you... Um, where he says that you should love one another, at the end of that, that's the agape love. That is the, the Christ-like love, the love that God bestows upon you and for me. And so we need to wrap those together. Obviously, he's speaking of one thing that we can do to please God is we need to love each other in brotherly love and love as God loves us. But then he says, and indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in all of Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. That you may walk honestly toward them that, we, that are without and that you may have a lack of nothing. And then he, that you may have a lack for nothing. Let's pray. Father God, I love you, Lord. And I just pray that, that right now that as we read your word that God that you would apply it into our lives. The God that you would reveal yourself to us in a way that we've not known. That Father, I pray this morning that God what you'd convict us about is our relationships. The God that you'd convict, about, convict us is how do, I, how do I operate within the body? How do I operate within people that are around me? And God, I, I, I pray today that, that Lord your spirit would convict us in areas that we need to work on that God, that we might understand that in every relationship we have, that God, that through that relationship, that Christ should be honored. And I pray that we'll do that today. I pray that Christ will be glorified in the words that are spoken and the um, decisions, responses that are made. But most of all, when we walk out of here, that, Father, that we can walk in brotherly love. And so, God, I just pray that um, you just bless us in this moment in the precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. Again, the Apostle Paul writes, as, as he had mentioned, this is God's will for you, your sanctification. But then he, he, he wanted to go to another subject matter. And he says, but now I want, to touch, I want to touch on something different to you this morning. He says, I want to touch to you now on this idea of brotherly love. And folks, the Word of God teaches us so very clearly that, that love is the, the, the overriding characteristic of a child of God. That Christ himself is love. And so therefore, if, if, if we are followers of Christ, then we should be people who love one another. And I tell you, we have to work at that. 
that it's something that we have to stop and we have to examine ourselves. And, and sometimes I think that we, we forget the main thing. I remember years ago, an old evangelist that had came to the church that I grew up with, that, that if he said it one time, he said it 50 times within that week. He says, you know, you've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. Or he said, the main thing is keep the main thing, the main thing. And first, folks, we need to understand that love is the main thing. And how we operate in relationships. And that's what Paul is, is writing to, to the church of um, Thessalonica because there is a danger that we become so, and, and I want to say this in parentheses because he's called us to sanctification. He's called us to walk in holiness. But folks, we can become so righteous within ourselves, we're not good for anything. That as a matter of fact, if we don't watch out, that righteousness will turn into self-righteousness. And we, when we turn into self-righteousness, the first thing that leaves us is love. Because we begin to look down on people. We begin to think that I'm a little bit better than those people. And so therefore, therefore we begin to separate ourselves, not as God desires to separate us, to use us, but we begin to separate ourselves just because we think that we are more righteous than they. Have you ever known anyone like that? Have you ever known anyone that, that you've been around and, and, you know, they made you feel that you'll, you'll, you'll never be as good as me, you'll never be as righteous as me, or I'm a little bit closer to God than you? Well, folks, I can tell you, that's not love. And so he says, now, I says, I want to touch to you about brotherly love. I've, I've dealt with you this idea of sanctification, of walking in holiness, but you need to understand this idea of brotherly love. How do you operate? How do you walk amongst the crowd? And I think that is so important for us to learn and for us to think about and for us to understand. Folks, the greatest way we display the love of Christ is how we walk in the crowd. How we deal with the people that rub shoulders with us. How we approach people that are around us. I think that's what set Jesus Christ aside from every other person that's ever walked this earth. Because when he walked in the crowd, that people knew one thing. Jesus loved them. And I think that's why Jesus Christ was so approachable and so, so many came and was drawn to Jesus Christ. The Bible says masses came to him. I think it's just one of the, we, we, I talked about it with a, a, a group of men that I was studying with this past week, that even the lepers, the lepers who had had this terrible disease that, that when the, within the old law, that they, they, were, they were not to be approachable. As a matter of fact, they'd have to walk around and cover their mouths and say, you know, I'm a leper, I'm, a, you know, I'm unclean, and I'm unclean. And, and so where the crowds pushed the lepers away, the lepers felt very comfortable coming to Jesus Christ. I thought that's so cool. It should not be how, that's how people feel around us that they feel very comfortable to come and to be around us, knowing that they're not going to be judged, they're not going to be condemned, but they can feel the love of Christ. And that's what the Apostle Paul was speaking, and, and that's what you and me need to stop and examine within our life. And listen to what he says. This is, to me, this is such a powerful statement. When he says in verse 9, he says, But it's touching brotherly love. You need not that I write unto you. He says, I shouldn't even have to be talking to you about this. He says, I am not going to tell you anything that you do not already know. Why do I know that you already know these things? For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And that's our first point is that, that brotherly love is, is a natural characteristic of a child of God. That this is something that, that when, when Christ comes and, and we make him our Lord and Savior and he comes and, and dwells within us. 
That God is our teacher of how we should love one another. And so so we should understand that if I have a a problem loving others, if I have a a problem of being approaching, uh, of of approaching others, or or if I have a problem of offending others, then folks, I have a love problem. And if I have a love problem, then I have a God problem. John makes this so very clear within his letters. And I want you, if you would, turn back to the right and to the, uh, the, the little epistle of 1 John. That's found right near the end of your, your Bible. If you go to the end, you'll find Revelation. Keep turning left, and you'll come to 1 John. And listen to what John writes as he deals with this same idea. Remember what Paul just says. I don't even need to write these things to you because you yourselves have been taught by God. And there's no greater teacher than God himself. And, and his main subject matter is how to love one another. But look what he says in 1 John, the fourth chapter. And I'm going to look down in verse 4 and, 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 and work myself on through. In 1 John, the fourth chapter, he writes these words, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. He says, And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God, if you have a problem with love. And, and this is speaking of the agape, the Christ-like love that... that, that if, if you truly love as God loves, then that's a sign that you are his child. It's a characteristic of the child of God. And then he continues on. He says, and you know God. He says, and he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, but because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This is how God showed us. It's a demonstrative love. God did something for us. By giving his own son. He said then, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. He settled our wrath. He paid our wrath. Isn't that so cool that, that not that, you know, it's not that God approached us because we loved him, but God first loved us. The Bible says that God demonstrated his love toward us while we were yet sinners. While, while we were not seeking God, he comes seeking us because he loved us first. Folks, we never should forget that. Don't think yourself so puffed up that, well, I love God. Well, let me tell you, God loved you first. And, he, and John makes it so very clear. Then he continues on. Beloved, if, we, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. It's an obligation. If God loved us in such a way, then, then if we are his child, if he dwells within us, it's our responsibility as a child of God and also as a characteristic of us that we should love one another. That's not optional. That's not something that, well, I'll think about it. No, it, it's, it's very natural for us. And then he continues on. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. Why did John say no man has seen God at any time? Well, first of all, we understand that God himself is spirit. And you cannot see spirit. But the way that God reveals himself to to mankind is through living through you and me. And the way that others see God is they see God in us. Because as we reflect the love of God to one another, that's how the invisible God can be seen. And so every one of you... If you're a follower of Christ, as God has called you then, that you should love one another, and that's how God displays himself to a lost and a hurting world, is through his people. So every one of you are mirrors 
of God himself. Isn't that amazing? You see, how people see you, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, that's how they're going to see God. Boy, that's a pretty big responsibility on each of us. But then John continues on. He says, he says, hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwells in God, and God in him. And what he's saying again that we have already mentioned, that when we come to know Christ, when we come to know him as our personal Savior, God himself takes up residence within us. Isn't that amazing? That God is not somewhere that, that cannot be touched. The Bible says that, that when we know him, we are his temple. We are his tabernacle. He comes and dwells within us. And in the older times, in the days of Moses, and even in the early days of Jesus, in the days of Jesus Christ, when people wanted to come and meet the presence of God, they went to the temple of the Holy Spirit, or, or the temple of God, or the tabernacle of God. Now we are that temple. So if, if people want to, to see the presence of God, they should, they should see it in us. I would say that love is a pretty important deal with God because that reveals himself to a lost and a hurting world. And Paul is writing to, 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 to the people in Thessalonica, but he's also writing to you that, that I shouldn't even have to be talking to you about this because this is something you should already know because if God dwells in you who is love, he's already taught you those things. Now, I know it's just like I was when my dad taught me things. I was a knucklehead every now and then. I, he had taught me those things. I just didn't, I, I didn't listen very well, and I didn't obey him very well. And I think that's the thing about it. A lot of us already know the things that we need to be doing. We're just not doing them. And so we just want to, to first of all, establish a point that that. Paul is writing very, very clearly that, that love, that brotherly love is just a natural characteristic of a child of God. That if you're a child of God, then you love because God has taught you how to love. It's a, it's a sacrificial love because God sent his own son into the world um, that he might be the propitiation, the, that he paid the wrath for our sins. And so that's how I should love other people in a very sacrificial way. Um, it's a very selfless love. It's not about me because when God gave his son, it was not about God. God wasn't saying, well, I'm not going to give my son up for a bunch of those rascals out there. They don't deserve it. Well, that's the thing. None of us deserve it. And there's a lot of people or most people we may come in contact with that you may think they don't deserve my love. That's not the thing. It's a selfless love. I give it to them anyhow. And aren't you glad that God loved you first? Even while you are not loving him, God loved you. That's how we are to love other people in a very unconditional way, in a very selfless way. But also, if we, if we continue on, we begin to understand that if it's, if it's unconditional, therefore it's unlimited. It's not for just a group of people out there. It's not for just the ones we choose that, that we're, we're going to love, and, and, and this group I'm not going to love, because look what he continues to say 
as, as, as he continues on because he, he's speaking about the love of, of the Thessalonians. And he says, he, he's complimenting there. And he says, indeed, ye do it toward all of the brethren, which in all of Macedonia. And he says, but we, we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. He says, you're doing it well. He says, your testimony is that you love all the brethren in all of Macedonia. That's a part of what we know today is, is lower Greece, that, that you do a good job of loving all the people. The question is, do I do a good job of loving all the people? Can I, I be frank with you for just a moment? Not all people are easy to love. Not all Christians are easy to love. As a matter of fact, many of them are too much like you and me. You know, there's some people that are just so easy to love. I mean, they've got great personalities. They have that wonderful spirit. They're very approachable, and you just love hanging out with them. I mean, you know, that they're always, when, when you're with them, they're, they're, they're asking about yourself and, you know, what's going on with your family. You just like that. They just build you up, and, man, it's easy to love somebody like that. But there's some people out there, it's like they have a gift of hurting your feelings. I mean, they just have a way about them that if you're around them, they will, you can, sooner or later, they're going to offend you. And I don't even think they have a clue about it. They're just good at it, and they, you know, just God brought them into our lives, and, and um, they're hard to approach because you know, if, okay, if I go see that person, then I'm going to have my feelings hurt today. They're going to be a grump. I'm going to hear about all their problems. They're going to, they're going to suck every bit of the life I have out of me. And then, and, and, and um, I don't know if I want to, but, but you know what? They deserve our love just as much as that person that's very approachable. Because that's how God loves us. He says, you loved all the brethren in all of Macedonia. You did not pick and choose who you loved. And folks, I think that should be a reflection upon you and me. People can tell real quick. Again, we, we had a conversation with a group of men this week. People can know real quick whether you love them or whether you don't. Of whether you think they're important or whether you don't. So you might be around them and you might be doing things for them, but, but if you're doing it with a grudging heart or you're doing it because, well, I think I ought to, they can tell real quick whether you're sincere or not. But people can also tell if you love them, even in their not-headedness. They can tell when you are loving them in spite of themselves. And folks, there's no greater display of love to a lost and a hurting world or even to a, a Christian that's this wayward or, or they're hurting as when you love them anyhow. You know, there's an old saying that hurting people hurt people. You see, there's a lot of people that are hurting out there, and, and they act the way they do because they're hurting. And what we have to do is, is, is to live a Christ-like life enough that we get into their life that, that we can help their hurts. Even if our feelings get hurt. Folks, Jesus Christ got crucified because he chose to love you and me. I, I, mean, I mean, he stepped right into a world that, that, that crucified him, but he did it anyhow. 
And that's how we should be. That we should love the unlovely as well as the lovely. It's not, love is not limited, so therefore we should love all people. But then something interesting, I came back and I, I added this point later because it, it, it interested me. He had just complimented them that, you, you know, you've done well. You love all the brethren and all of Macedonia. But then he continues on and says, and that you increase more and more. And he says, you do it even more. Well, you've just complimented me that I've been loving well, and now you tell me to even love more. Well, first of all, I think he's, he's emphasizing the importance of love, and, but, but what he's, he seems to be saying that we, we grow in love, that we can, you know, our capacity for, for love should increase as we mature. Because I, I said our capacity for love should increase with maturity because, folks, we have to understand that when we become a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says Jesus Christ gave us everything. It's not that he divvies out his blessings a little at a time. John says these words, of his fullness you've all received and grace for grace. That when we see Jesus Christ, we receive of his fullness. I didn't leave anything else. Uh, now, as a matter, he says that in John 1.16. Paul, say, Paul writes when he wrote to the church of Ephesus in, in chapter 1, verse 3, he says, and you received every spiritual or every he- heavenly blessing. That when we receive Christ, he gives everything to us. And if he comes and dwells within us, dear friend, if, if God who is love dwells within us, we have all the love we'll ever need. But the problem is, is our capacity to love is very limited. You know what our capacity to love is limited? is by our own sinful behavior. Because if we have a heart that's filled with anger, a heart filled with unforgiveness, a heart filled with immorality, a heart filled with selfishness, then that word of God, that, word, that love of God which is in our heart is, is suppressed. But as we begin to walk in sanctification and we begin to deal with that unforgiveness in our life, we begin to deal with that anger in our life, when we begin to deal with that bitterness within our life, when we begin to deal with that immorality and and begin to take off those old clothes, says Paul, that gives the love of God just more room to work within our life. And therefore, I begin to love people I've not been able to love before. You see, it's hard to love somebody when when we have anger toward that person. There are some of you this morning that that you have some love problems with people because maybe that person's hurt you really bad. And I'm not minimizing how bad they hurt you. And because they hurt you bad as a child or as an adult, you've been angry, you've, you've had an unforgiving spirit. And so therefore, as long as you have that anger and that unforgiveness in your heart, you can't love that person like you should. And you can't love them more and more because your love is capped by, by that stuff that, that you have packed out in your heart. But when, but when you deal with the unforgiveness, you deal with the anger, it's just amazing how it expands your capacity to love other people. I think that's so cool. So I, I think that we're all in process, and, and none of us have, have reached the capacity of, of really loving God, others like God already has placed within us because we still have stuff within our life. And I think until we die, there's going to be stuff we're dealing with in our life. You know, a lot of us grew up, and let's just be, be frank, a lot of us 
grew up in the South. I grew up in the South. I grew up in, in the South where when you went to the old Midget Burger, I just remember this as a child, that's, that's, um, that's where it's uptown. And I remember going up and, and, and there was a, a room for the whites and a room for the coloreds. There was a bathroom for the colors. I grew up in a prejudiced society. And see, when I have prejudice in my heart, even though the love of God for all people is within my heart, but if I have prejudice within my heart, I can't love the black man like I should. I can't love someone that has a different color skin or speaks a different language because I, I, I have prejudice within my heart. But once I deal with that prejudice within my heart, I can begin to love others like God loves them. You understand what I'm saying? You see, our capacity to love, God, God has given us all that we need, but our capacity grows as we mature in Christ. As we begin to walk in holiness that we spoke about last week. You see, it's, it's hard for me. This, I'll bring it back to what we studied last week about walking in sanctification and sexual immorality. Or in sexual morality. Because if, 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 if I'm a man and I'm so driven by my sexual desires, then I, I dehumanize women and I make them an object of, of my self-gratification that I can't truly love a woman like God called me to love a woman because I don't see them as, as daughters of God. I see them as objects of my desires. And once I deal with, with my immorality and I begin to see women as God sees women, then my capacity to love those women grows more and more. And I think that's so cool where, where, where Paul says, you know, you're doing a great job. You're loving all the Macedonians and, you know, all the brothers in all of Macedonia, but I want you to do it more and more. And he says there's, there's more to get. And, and I think that's so exciting about the Christian faith is, folks, we're never going to get completely there until Jesus comes again. And so we're all a work in process, but, but, but what's so cool about it, we can all learn or, or have the more and more capacity to love, even as Paul was challenging the Thessalonians. But then he gets into some basic expressions of love. And I think it's funny that these are tied together. I mean, this is in the, this is in the same paragraph. It's in the same understanding about, let, let me talk to you about brotherly love. And then he deals with some situations that I think are, that sometimes we don't understand as loving other, others. When, it, when he speaks about them loving one another, he didn't talk about just doing kind deeds for them or all this. He, he dealt with three matters. Look what he says. he says. He says, but we beseech you, brethren, to do it more and more. And then he says, and that you study to be quiet, you do your own business, and that you work with your own hands that we commanded you. Now, I think this is funny expressions of, of brotherly love that many times we don't understand as really brotherly love. He, he, he deals with situations that are totally different. You know, he says, if you're truly going to love one another, then first of all, what you need to do, you need to lead a quiet life. And, and I, I like the NIV's um, in, uh, interpretation of, or, uh, of the translation that says, and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life or to aspire to lead a quiet life. That should be a goal of every one of us if we are to truly love others and we're truly to walk in Christ is that it's our ambition I, that we aspire each day to live a quiet life. Now, what does that mean? You know, basically it means to live a, a, a calm and peaceful life. 
that we should not be a person that, that we live for all the drama. You know, there's a lot of people, that's, their normal is just have a, a, a life full of drama. Now, that drives me crazy, I'm telling you that. I, and I grew up, you know, I, had, I raised a bunch of girls. But I do have to say, we didn't have a whole lot of drama in our, in our house because that, daddy didn't deal with it well. And I had to say, I, I married a, a, a beautiful woman that didn't deal with it very well. You know, we're to live a quiet and a, just a, a calm and a peaceful life. And basically it's saying, too, that life should not revolve around me. I should live my way. This has an idea that even with the idea that I should live my life even within the government, so that I, I keep the laws. My name's not always in the Baker County Press because of all the shenanigans I'm doing. That, that, that's kind of what it's saying, that I need to, I need to live a life, a, an honorable life, because the, the, the Greek word here deals with honor. But I need to deal with a life that is honorable, that, again, that, that I'm, I'm obeying the laws of the land, that, again, my name's not getting plastered. People's not talking about, did you, did you hear what that rascal done today? You know, the, 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 the Baker County Press would be reduced down to a one-page ta- um, um, pamphlet if, 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 if um, everyone began to leave a quiet life. But I think it deals more with that. It not only deals with that, but just how we go about doing our business. Because if I live a quiet life, I'm not living about me. I'm just... I'm going about that I'm, I'm, I'm not making a ruckus. It's not all about me. I'm, I'm, not having to ha- I'm not trying to have to have my name in the light all the time. And I think the best way to explain that to you is, um, as, as I thought about this, one to me, and guys, I, I have a gym because my wife loves to watch football and baseball with me. As a matter of fact, we took a few days off late uh, last week, and you know where we went? We went down to Tampa and watched the Tampa Bay ball game. I mean, and she, we, she lo- and we love it. We watch it together, and we sit there and enjoy that. And, but I've heard one of say one a, time, uh, a few times, and she said in reference to this, if there's some people that, that want to live a life that's all about me, it's ballplayers. You know, they, 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 they even almost live by the adage, um, bad news is, is at least it's news. And so they live their lives. It's all about me, all about the fame, all about look at me. That's not living a quiet life. But one of has mentioned many times, you know, it's interesting about the, the referees and the umpires. You never hear anything about these guys or gals. As a matter of fact, they're very professional. They go about their business making sure that the game is played right. They, they deal with a lot. Uh, there's a lot of conflict sometimes because there's the disagreements. But they just go about their business and you hardly ever even know they're there. You see, they are, they are operating in a very quiet life. Their, their goal is to be professional and to make sure that the game is playing right so, so that everyone can enjoy the game. Folks, shouldn't that be our role as believers? That we live our life where everyone's not having to look at us. That we live our life that we, we, we're walking through this, this, this life that we live, helping other people and helping them enjoy the game of life. Where it's not about me, it's about them. And so I challenge you today that, that, that that's a way that you can show brotherly love. When you live a life, it's not all about you. As a matter of fact, you live a life that's, that's 
that, that's holy, that, that you're just there to encourage other people. I think that's a beautiful example of a Christian living brotherly love. He doesn't stop there. He says, not only do you lead a quiet life, hold on to your britches now. But then the next thing he says, and to do your own business. Keep out of other people's business. Mind your own business. Have you ever heard your mama say that? Mind your own business. Why do we like to stick our noses in other people's business so much? Why do we like to have make everyone else our point of conversation around the table? That's not brotherly love. That's not Christ-like love is when we're trying to get into everyone else's business out there. Folks, that's where conflict comes from. That's where rumors come from. Is when everyone else is trying to mind your business and everyone else's business. Folks, Paul says it just as about as plain as you can. As you can. <laughs> Listen, why don't you turn over to... Apparently the, the church of Thessalonica was having a little problem here. Because he, he had to deal with it when he wrote a second letter to them. Look what he says in Thess, 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter, verse 11 and 12. Same subject matter. He says, if you didn't hear it in the first letter, I'm going to write it again. He says in verse 11 of, of the third uh, chapter, he says, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, walking not at all, but are busybodies. Do you know any busybodies busy out there? They're like a bumblebee that just darts from one, one flower to the other, seeing who's, who's nose, who's, whose flower they can stick their nose in. He says in verse 12, he says, Now then that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work. And eat their own bread. And he says, rather do not be weary in well-doing. He says, don't get tired of just doing the right thing. Don't worry about other people's business out there. Don't be a busybody. Oh, dear friends, this has destroyed many, many churches. Where people have tried that they live their lives trying to get their self in everybody else's business. That does not mean there's times in, in our life that people's going to come to us and say, and as brothers in Christ, that we need to help one another. But what I found, that's going to be when, when people, people come to you or to ask you that we don't need to be jumping in someone else's business. This may be very hard for you to do. But he says you need to live a quiet life. That's what brotherly love is. If there's something going on in someone's life and I, I hear about it, why not pray for them rather than trying to go and get in their business? Why not pray for them rather than, than um, you know, talking to someone else? What about writing them a word of encouragement? Hey, I know you're going through something. I'm just praying for you right now. That you're not getting into their business. Again, it gets kind of quiet because this is very practical stuff. But this is how we love one another. We, we, we aspire to live a quiet life, that a life that's not all about me, that I don't have to have all the fanfare. And that also I don't get in other people's business out there. And then he says one more thing. 
And then he says these words. And that you work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly toward them which are without, that you may have lack of nothing. You know what else he says? You need to work hard. There's no place within the economy of God for a lazy person. As a matter of fact, even within the Garden of Eden, when God created man and created woman, he placed man in the garden to work the garden. Let me tell you, young people, and a lot of adults need to hear this too, work is not a sin. Now, I'll say that again if you didn't get it, because a lot of people in our society have... Really, work is not a sin, and it's not going to kill you. As a matter of fact, work has been ordained by God. He placed man to work the garden, to, 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 to cultivate the garden. And, and, and he has given work as a gift of man that we might fulfill the purpose of, of, of keeping God's creation and also be, being by the gifts that God has given us to provide for ourselves and for our families. There's no room in God's, in God's kingdom, for, if you're a child of God, to be a mooch. A mooch. Do you know what a mooch is? A mooch is some, someone that wants everybody else to pay your bills. You want to live on the back of someone else. And I'm sad to say, but folks within our society and apparently in, in Paul's society, there was a lot of people that lived their life expecting someone else to pay their bills. They mooched. And Paul says we need to work with our own hands. We we need to have the effort. We need to recognize that God has given me strength. He's given me ability. He has has given me industry, uh, a mind that I can go out and I can provide for my own and I can provide for my family. I say that with intensity in my voice because, see, I, I see a society that's falling apart. And it's not just the young people, it's the elderly. That, that we live in a society today, there, there's more that, that's living by someone else paying their way than they're working. Folks, that's, that's a sure sign that a, a society is going to collapse very, very soon. And, th- and this is not a government matter. It's not a, it's, it's not a Democrat matter. It's not a Republican matter. It's none of those matters. It's, this, is a, this is a biblical matter that if you want to love one another, then you go and you, first of all, you live a quiet life, you mind your own business, and you get out and work and provide your own living. And God even has provisions for those that there's real issues within their life, then the church should step in and minister to them. But you know that he even has some pretty strong rules and regulations about that. As a matter of fact, he says, if you didn't work helping other people when, when you had the ability to work, he says, if you didn't do that then, then the church is not obligated to help you, th- help you now. Because there's value to work. There's value to fulfilling the, the role that God has given us that, that we can, again, cultivate this land, cultivate the gifts, cultivate the talents that God has given us. And so we all need to to stop and examine ourselves. We need to quit making excuses. We need to quit looking for someone else to 
to, to provide for us when God has already given us the ability to provide for ourselves. And that's what Paul was saying here. Again, he, he says right in the same context of, of showing brotherly love, he talks about some very simple things that sometimes we don't understand. You know, let me answer. If there's a dad out there, out here, that is too sorry to go to work and provide for their children, then you don't love your children. I mean, that's, that's as plain as I can get. You're all about yourself. And one of the responsibilities of men is that we sacrifice some of the things we want to do. We sacrifice getting up and going to work when we'd like to be laying in bed. We, you know, we, we drive through the rain or, or, you know, work with our hands and come back with hurting backs. Most guys, most men and die earlier than, than our, 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 our ladies. Why? Because men have had the responsibility to get out there and work. Our bodies wear out. Why? Because we're sacrificing for the good of someone else. And God will honor that. As a matter of fact, Paul writes this in Ephesians, you know, those of you who stole, steal no longer. And boy, I, I, I could go a long time of what... St- stealing is a lot more than just breaking in someone else. Stealing is just so, taking something that's not yours. But he says you need to work. You know why he says you need to work? So you can help others who have not. See, even working is not so I can have a bigger castle with a bigger car. There should be a joy that I can work so that I can only take care of my family. For, for those who really have needs, I can, I can pass that on. Now, if you're working for the sake, again, of, of building a castle, that's not what he's talking about. You need to work to make provision for yours and then also to be able to help other people because there will be some people that has real needs out there. But folks, there's no greater joy than that. And, and what greater way of, of, of showing someone that you love them is showing my family that I love them. If I get up and I go to work and I provide for them and I'm tired and my children see that I'm tired, but you know what? I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for them. And I do that, you know, and they, they see that pattern that, that comes in my life and then they begin to learn that pattern. And I, I'll tell you, I, I told my children, I have girls, I told my girls, I can deal with a lot of stuff, but don't you bring home somebody that's just sorry. <laughs> if they're not going to provide for you, then don't bring them home because um, we're not going to deal with that. And I praise God, man. My... Nathaniel, I'm proud of you, buddy. But I, I thank God for my son-in-laws. And I thank God for my daughters. But I pray that over the years you've been able to teach them, you know, and so you get some of the fruit of that. Folks, that's real brotherly love. And again, isn't it funny that he's not talking about the mushy-mushy mushy stuff that when he's talking about loving one another, he says about some basic ways of doing life, that you lead a quiet life, not make it all about yourself. That you don't get yourself in other people's business out there, and you just work hard. What happened if what would happen to churches if we would all just begin to, you know, if every believer would just grab hold of these particular concepts? 
you know, if, if, we, if we would just, you know, strive to be quiet and, and um, again, not needing the fanfare, make it about other people, about not getting ourselves in other people's businesses, and then just working hard, not only provide for my own family so I can provide for others that have real needs. Folks, what would the world think of a church like that? Because they would begin to see the love of Christ pour through us. And folks, this is all basic teaching from Paul that's being spoken to through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. And that's what I challenge you today. It's so amazing that if we would hear God's word and we'd begin to listen to God's word and we'd begin to fulfill God's word, then we begin to receive the abundance of Jesus Christ. If we begin to walk in holiness, then so much of the, the heartache that we've dealt with because of our immorality will be just done away with. And if we begin to, to live our lives where it's not about me, and it's not about me getting other people, and I just start working hard, it's absolutely amazing how I'm going to see some changes that begin to occur within my life. And it's going to build me up and recognize who I am in Christ. And people are going to say, well, there's a difference. There's a difference in Johnny. And folks, that's what it should be. That when pearls, people see us, they say, there's a difference. He's not, that's not the same Johnny I used to know. Or he, he's not like those other guys. Or she's not like those other guys. There's something real about that person. What about you? I can tell you this. You can't do this on yourself. Because the falling nature is all about me. It's all about the fanfare. It's all about getting in other people's business because when I talk about somebody else, it makes me feel more important about myself. It's all about letting other people take care of me. See, that all of those things are part of our, our, our sinful nature because it's about me. But when, when I die to myself and I, I begin to allow God to teach me to love others, these practical things begin to flow through my life. And folks, my life begins to change and God is glorified through that. And that's what, that's what will bring a smile to the face of God is when we begin to just live our lives in a peaceful way, in, a, in a, just a very industrious way that brings glory to him. If you have struggles in these areas, I commit you to Jesus Christ today. You may need to come and say, God, I need you. I can't do this by myself. You know, he'll take you where you are. He'll take you where you are, and he'll begin to conform you to his own image. But it starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't love others until you've experienced the love of Christ yourself. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to your life? Do you need Christ today? I invite you to Jesus. Do you need to come today and say, God, help me be more faithful? The altar's open, my friend. Father, I love you, Lord.